Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. I'm Dan Landrup. I'm Aaron O'Rourke. Aaron O'Rourke is standing behind me today. I can't actually see him. Not in a creepy way, though. <laughs> no, that's never in a creepy way, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm very consistent. He's consistent like that. That's good. I yeah. like friendships to be that way. <laughs> as consistently non-creepy as possible. Yeah, yeah. It's a good but policy. I, I mentioned that just to tell you our, our little studio setup today. It, uh, I'm sitting in an instrument, and actually you can probably hear hear a little bit of ringing coming from the instrument just from the sound of my voice. And Aaron's behind me on a microphone and a little baffle system so it can still sound good. And we're missing something. What is it that we're missing? Is there some some sound? Um, is it like, hey. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Stephen Seifert. We're missing Stephen Seifert today. Yeah. He's traveling. I think he's down in Texas somewhere or something like that. I think and he's in D.C. He's or in D.C.? Virginia kind of... Beach. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. He's hanging out with Sarah Morgan and Ken Kalodner and oh my Dave Haas. Yeah. Oh, my uh, Chuck Chuck Mosley's festival. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that sounds fantastic. Good for him. But we'll have, Steve will be back, so don't worry. We're doing something a little different. We're in this weird setup because Aaron and I have talked about doing this for a while, and we thought even if this is a shorter podcast than normal, we'd give it a shot. We talk a lot about practice on this podcast and nuance, and Aaron, <laughs> Aaron and I on a, on a trip, on a road trip, can talk about a single thing for hours, and... As I mentioned just a moment ago, the difference in ice water as opposed to room temperature water. And I had to stop him before he started talking. So, which yeah. I think is interesting that I've met someone who can talk as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Though he usually doesn't. Yeah. What we're going to look at today is the nuance of texture or timbre. Help me out here, Aaron. How do we describe it? Of a well, single note. Well... If we can back up for just a second, one of the things we talked about is all of us kind of taking turns. Um, That's true. Yeah, for for each podcast and having something to share that we're working on or experimenting with. And what you're doing with the hammer dulcimer, what you showed me just a little bit of while we were setting up was playing with a single note and ways to play with emphasis that creates these cool grooves based on your hammer placement alone. Yes. Right? And it's important that we're talking about hammer placement more so than a, a rudiment. Even though we'll use a rudiment, we're talking about what the instrument can produce. Okay. Cool. So even if you were doing a just strike, 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 strike. And that's probably how we ought to start. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we, we hope to even this week, so there may be another Dulcimer Geek podcast up in just a couple of days, do this same thing with Aaron, sort of hyper-focusing on something, and then we want to get Steve to do it as well. Mm-hmm. So those kinds of things. So I'm going to use an A for no particular reason, and the A that I'm going to use, everyone should have this even on the smallest of hammer dulcimers, is going to be the A on the left-hand side of the treble bridge. Here it sounds like this. Okay. Just a little bit more about what I'm doing, because you might want to think about this as well. When you use a really hard hammer, a lot of the tone you hear is the is the wood striking the metal. So 
when you say a hard hammer, do you mean like a, a hammer with a hard surface or a really rigid hammer? A hammer with a hard surface. I'm, okay. I'm going to, I'll do that now. So here's, here's a wooden hammer striking the string. Okay. That's about an inch off the left-hand side of the treble bridge. It's very crisp. It's not my favorite tone, to be honest with you. Now I'm going to go to the extreme. These are these Genesis hammers that I've been selling. This one is has about three-eighths of an inch of felt in that same spot. Yeah. That hammer is the reason I can stay married while learning hammer dulcimer. Exactly. <laughs> it works. Now I'm going to go with what I think are the best hammers I own tonally. And I don't want to get this into a hammer comparison thing, but these just happen to be some, it's the stiffest carbon fiber that Sam Rosetta has. So it's very stiff carbon fiber, flexible hammer, but it's barely flexible. So Sam made those hammers? Sam made these hammers. Okay. Yeah. He actually, I had others, some others from him and I gave them back because they were kind of what he normally sells. But they were too flexible. I just didn't. I didn't like it. Um, these are good for scratching your back and everything too. Nice. Because <laughs> anyway, even so though I'm the... back here, I'm not good for <laughs> scratching it back. No, no. Yeah. So this hammer has leather on it that I've talked about before. On uh, boy, I wish I remember the the name of it. It's real Fe- real leathers, the company, and you can get it at hobby shops and things. And so this is a thick leather that I'm going to be using for the demonstration. So it's kind of in between those two sounds. Yeah. So right now I'm just going to use my right hand and play one, two, three, four, one, just straight. In a place where you would normally play it. So I'm about an inch off of the bridge on the left-hand side of the treble bridge. So we're getting now into what's almost like the mindfulness method of listening to yourself play as I strike that I'm listening for several things one of which is I want the tone to be even I don't want to hear this two three four one I don't want to hear that emphasis I want to try to make them even it's really harder than you think oh yeah Uh, to try to get perfectly even. So that's one thing that you can do with one note. Now I'm going to start to alternate right and left. So that's something I would do for a while. I'm also still in this, and this is, we're probably losing mountain dulcimer players left and right right now. <laughs> I understand that. So make this relatable anytime you want to, Aaron. Uh, I, but listen. We have an open A, too. <laughs> <laughs> On the middle string. <laughs> this, there's this... It's really important to pay attention to other disciplines. Absolutely. Because you learn a whole lot. And... Sometimes it's even easier to learn more by listening to other disciplines mm-hmm. than the one that you do, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So just keep that in mind. Don't give up on it yet. It's going to get more mm-hmm. interesting, I promise. It will become applicable very soon. Yeah. So th- those were just singles, just singles, staying in one spot. 
One other thing that I want to show you before we start to move is the direction of the strike. Basically, most of the time, we're trying to strike the string <clears throat> with the hammer coming straight down. Oops, sorry, Let me go back to that A, which is what I'm doing right now. But now I'm going to begin to tilt the hammer and listen to how it changes. So straight up and down. the difference in that oh yeah now they're straight up and down so straight extreme tilt straight extreme tilt so what you can do with that extreme tilt even on a soft hammer is if every now and then you want a beat to come out that's brighter than the others you can just angle the hammer okay so I'm gonna do just a simple roll that's not bouncing that's just right left right left right left still on that same string still about an inch off and listen as I change the hammer angle. Well, that's crazy. Did you hear it opening up, though? Oh, yeah. So there's, there's a whole lot going on in there. So that's the thing that you have on all of this on one string, just all the different timbres that you can get out of it. Now we're going to get into the stuff that I think is really cool. I'm going to scoop my right hand over very close to the treble bridge. Again, we're still on the left-hand side of the treble bridge, playing an A. This is... I'm using stereo mics to, to do my best, get my best capture of this, so that mm -hmm. you can hear this listening in a podcast. So I hope you have on good headphones. But I'm going to move the hammer left and right. Close, right now it's going to start close to the bridge. It's going to get farther away from the bridge. And I'm going to move it in and out. And I want you to just listen to that. I'm going to talk this time on huh. it. Very close. About at the middle. Getting all the way over close to the left rail. So, what do you hear? Interesting. Well, that, that's not too dissimilar from uh, Mountain Dulcimer and where we choose to pick in that uh, the closer our pick gets to the bridge, the more tension there is on the string. And you hear a little bit more percussive attack. Uh, um, and it's also a little bit brighter tone. But in, in your case, it, when you go to the extreme end of that, you're also you also have a lot of tension on the edge of the instrument as well. Is that mm -hmm. fair to say? Correct. Um, and another thing that, that happens that um, I think maybe mutes that effect on hammer dulcimer a little bit to my ear is just the swell of overtones that are happening in the harmonic interplay between the strings. So when you're playing that open A, there's a whole lot of other stuff ringing out. Yes. And to me, it sounds like when you, uh, when you, I think it was when you were playing towards the uh, towards the bridge end, or just when it sounded brighter. Like it sounded like there was an opening of these other uh, strings ringing out. So let's try to zoom in, zoom in on that with our ears for okay. A um, because there's there's a tone in there that's really I just love it. It's mm -hmm. in in processing and audio processing. It's sometimes called a format. Mm -hmm. And it's how you can make uh, just a tone 
a sine wave, a pure tone, start to sound more like human speech. Okay. And it's and it's doing exactly what you're talking about, Aaron. It's emphasizing and moving where the overtones are. Okay. Okay. So in your mind, try to avoid hearing the knocking sound. This is the geekiest podcast we've I ever know, done. Know, it's great. <laughs> try to try to avoid yeah. hearing the knock. Okay. Let's identify okay. the knock so we can here it is. Matter of fact, here it is fully. I'm just gonna mute the string. So pick out that doc, 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 knock. Mm-hmm. Try to filter that out. And listen <laughs> to the high end. And it's not even the high end. Listen in the middle. Okay. And you'll hear a sound that hopefully does this for you. Yeah. Opens and closes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make a roll so you can really hear it. should be hearing are you hearing that in there well going back to mindfulness um when you say don't listen to that it's a little bit like saying try not to think of anything and then all at once everything is going to pop into your head all right so Uh, yeah listen to this then (laughs) yeah okay there's a distinct change where you can actually hear those pitches. Okay. Give it to me again. There's the da. 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 There is da. I missed it. those specific pitches and they're all part of an a yeah so those things are in there and and to really emphasize it i can put my finger halfway between the bridge and the side or actually i'll just run my finger along and you'll hear them So mm-hmm. it was changing pitches just a little bit. It works better if the, the hammers are leaving it. So. Yeah. So believe it or yeah. not, those things really matter, especially when you start doing groove playing. I'm going to go to a hard hammer. You might, you might hear it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. So, learn to listen for those things. And there's a lot of decisions to make when you're trying to find out if you like the Mm -hmm. way something sounds a lot uh, or not. Sometimes you may not like the way a particular note sounds just because the harmonics of where you're playing are conflicting a little bit more. Yeah. So, on on Mountain Dulcimer, I think this might be worth mentioning... um, I, I particularly get kind of frustrated playing uh, staccato whenever I have to play an A note, that fourth fret. That seems to be where there's 
uh, the greatest tendency for this harmonic interplay. And so I tend to use my other fingers to really quickly mute the other strings to get rid of that ringing that we hear loaded on the on the hammer dulcimer oh, when I want just that quick staccato effect. <laughs> you say you do everything you can to keep it from sounding like a hammer dulcimer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. And I like the hammer dulcimer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to do the same thing now with dampers on just so we can listen to the nuance. Yeah. You hear it moving? Oh, yeah. There, I mean, there's a whole slide taking place in there. Yeah. Which is really cool, I think. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to leave that behind. I hope you will try it, but we're still sticking to one string. And now we're going to try more groove-based things just on this one string. So here's a single stroke roll, which is right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, about an inch off of the bridge. Now I'm going to move the left hand farther away from the bridge and put the right hand closer to the bridge. Okay. So what do you hear? Uh, loud. <laughs> loud, soft, loud, soft, or bright, warm, bright, warm-ish. Right. So now I'm going to change. I'm still keeping a right-hand lead. That was one and two and three and four and. I was hitting them both about the same, but the right, because it had that knock underneath it, was a lot louder. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to move the right to the right-hand side of the treble bridge, still on an A, but I'm going to scoot it more towards where the strings cross, almost where the where you would hit the A and the D together, but I'm just going to hit the A. I'm going to put the left hand on the left-hand side of the treble bridge really close, close and still play that right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. So you heard the accent yeah. move to the off. Yeah. Now I'm going to take keep those hands in that same position, and I'm going to float them back and forth. And you'll hear it as the left hand moves towards the bridge, the right hand moves away, and opposite as the right hand moves towards the right-hand side of the treble bridge, the left hand will move away from the left-hand side of the of the uh, treble bridge. So I'm starting with my right, close to the right-hand side of the treble bridge. I'm going to speed it up just a little bit. Isn't that fun? That's cool. It's moved, yeah. so it never changed from right, left, right, left, right, left, but it moved it a lot. Mm -hmm. Now when you start to put things in like uh, paradiddles, so we're going to do a, a, a diddle para, actually do it backwards, and we'll lead with the left hand, with right next to the left hand treble bridge, the right hand close to the valley on the right hand side of the treble bridge, both playing this A, and with this groove. <laughs> For those of you trying to figure this out, that's left, left, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left, right. And I'm going to do that same exercise where I move them back and forth. So here goes. Can you do yes. that again, but just just do one of them for a little while? Stick with... Uh, sure. With, okay, so... Um, 
So this is with the left hand close to the bridge and the right one further away. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Okay, and that's the kind of groove it's creating. Now switch. Moving? Yeah. Yeah, so those are two very different grooves that you get. Very different. Yeah. <clears throat> but I never changed the pattern. Yeah, that's never cool. Never changed the pattern. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So, listen to it now with dampers. Same exercise. I'm going to keep it in one spot for a minute. Wait. Starting to move now. interesting will you do that one more time yes and and if you're trying this on your dulcimer you have to concentrate so that when the because i'm doing a starting with a left hand lead and i'm intending to keep that left hand lead the entire time as you move to the left and the right hand starts to feel more prominent rhythmically there's a tendency at least for me to want to in my mind shift over like the right hand is still leading ah but you got to vo avoid that and make sure the left hand is still leading, but the right hand has the percussiveness. Right. And that's a very, I don't know, no other way to describe this than African sort of feel. Because there's a lot of African rhythms that do that. Okay. Yeah. So they'll put a lot of the emphasis on the upbeats. So exact same thing again. Is that what you wanted? Yeah. So left hand right next to the left hand side of the treble bridge, right hand close to the valley. Both of them playing... And A, listen to the difference, huh? just hitting them once. Left hand, right hand. So they're very different. I'll start it slowly so you can hear it. Yeah. So just for fun, can we try something? Yes. Real whatever quick? you want. All right. So instead of doing the same note, uh, unison, can you do octaves so that we can hear the uh, the emphasis changing from a uh, from the high note to the yeah, low note? Yeah, you bet. So okay. we'll do. Now I'm keeping the left hand on the left hand side of the treble bridge on the A. I'm taking the right hand over to the bass bridge. I'm going to play the A that's just above your G. You're probably your lowest G unless you have a monstrously huge instrument. Starting again with a left-hand lead, so it's going to be like this. I, I guess I should note <laughs> what's going to be a little more difficult about this is the hands have to move away from each other because the left hand is going to be moving away from the left hand of the treble bridge and the right hand is going to be moving towards the right-hand side of the bass bridge. Ah, 
So you're going to be moving them towards each other and away from each other to get the same, what Aaron's asking. Uh, you want it with or without dampers? Uh, with dampers. Okay. Here we go. together you can start to move your right hand into the valley so that's going to be then picking up the e so listen to what happens with that here we go start with them apart this time so the right hand matter of fact i'm going to do this in a right hand lead so we're going to start okay. out right right left right left left right left does that make sense yeah I could just play with that stuff for hours, and I do sometimes, <laughs> because uh, you really have to play it for a bit to realize and listen to realize all the different nuances of what's happening inside of there. You've got these harmonics that are sliding up and down, and you've got the fundamental tone, you know, that's always there, but it's changing mm -hmm. in timbre a little bit. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the percussive stuff that's coming in and out. And that's creating a groove that's actually changing somewhat. And you can start to hang on that groove and do stuff. So um, can I just improvise on something for a minute? Oh, yeah. Or, is there anything else you want me to experiment with? Because this is probably enough. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who's still listening, thank you. <laughs> but Hammer Dulcimer yeah. players, you really, I hate to should on people, but <laughs> you should be doing this kind of stuff. And it works with or without dampers, just so you know. And if you want to do this with, and you don't have dampers, but you sort of like that sound, this sounds this is blatantly selling you something. But order a pair of the Genesis hammers because they allow you to do this this kind of thing, uh, and it kind of mutes even as it plays. Or just take your softest hammers and put some felt on the strings. Would I would I be taking away your momentum if I if I asked you a few questions? Nope. Just curious, because we talk about process a lot here. How did you come up with this? Practicing. <laughs> Practicing, and then you just noticed that you get this different emphasis depending on where your hammers hit the string? Yes. Okay. And trying to figure out ways to incorporate that into specific groove. And some of it has to do with playing with you. Uh, How so? I think, and I'm I'm speaking only for myself, I get... You know, I, I don't know where your brain is. Who knows where your brain is? Yeah. But it's usually thinking about uh, um, different profiles of ice, of ice water, yeah, yeah, how water can change ice, it, yeah. Round ice versus square ice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, all right, so I'm going to go a little farther afield even than what you ask. Okay. So I, I went to Nashville a few weeks ago and did that movie score. Mm -hmm. Played for that movie. <clears throat> 
the kinds of things that they had me doing in that were relatively simple as long as you have rudimentary skills down. Okay. And I'm talking about being able to single stroke roll smoothly and being able to put emphasis in a certain spot so that you're creating some kind of a drone. Okay. And then being able to have that emphasis turn into the melody, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you drone, and then you begin to move those notes that had already sort of created a groove around and make them be the melody. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) forgive the pun, but it's really very moving. There's something about about movie score themes. You almost always have some kind of a a clear and simple melody. Mm Mm-hmm. And some sort of a pulse that's taking place underneath it. And uh, in the uh, Landerman Humphrey CD, Steve and I just trying to figure out what it was that we both enjoy doing. And it turns out that you and I are kind of doing the same thing. We'd often talk about a motor and a melody. Yeah. You know, one's the motor and one's the melody. And, and trying to find ways of moving that around and making it interesting. So... Just playing a paradiddle all the time, while that does give you some kind of groove, you can make it be more than that. You can make it be a groove with mm-hmm. like format shifting, timbre shifting. Mm-hmm. So you get this other stuff happening. So that's where all that came from. It's trying to find ways of doing that. And I'm excited. And I think it's uh, the Hammer Dulcimer is a real person doing what people try to get arpeggiators to do on synthesizers. Okay. It has the potential for that anyway. Right. And if you're into electronic stuff at all, you'll know that you set up a drone sometimes and you set up a sweeping filter on it and oscillators and things yeah. that happen. So I'm just interested in trying to be that oscillator. Yeah. A human oscillator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does that answer? Yeah, I think so. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, in a guitar workshop years ago, uh, I think it was... Um, the flat pick guitar player, David Greer, who does this awesome cross picking work and, uh, a lot of chord melody in these, uh, fiddle tune arrangements. Um, he was showing everyone what he was doing. He was kind of figuring it out on the fly and he's like, okay, well this is I'm doing like a G to an augmented something or other. And, uh, and someone in the workshop asked, so how would you solo over that? And he responded, that is the solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of talking about this rhythmic stuff. That's kind of how I'm thinking of it is uh, the rhythmic aspect of it. And the emphasis is what's creating the melody. Are we on the same page with that? Yeah. And I appreciate what the story you just told too, because he's, he didn't apologize. Yeah. And there's a tendency to want to go, well, you know, this is maybe not the kind of melodic line you're used to listening to, Mm -hmm. but it has, value i'm it's 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 trance inducing (laughs) or something i mean that trance is a thought of negatively but it's relaxing in a way it's calming it's like um like edm electronic dance music just at a lower decibel yes (laughs) where your ears still work yeah so can i just try something yeah. So yeah. this isn't anything because I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to do a very hammer dulcimer thing. I'll tell you what, I'm going to start with fifths. So I'm using the, the D and the G. D on the treble bridge, 
on the right hand side of the treble bridge and the G on the left hand side of the bass bridge. And I'm going to do that same diddle para thing. I'm moving my right hand off of the bass bridge, picking it up just a little bit. start to, to pump with the uh, dampers a little bit. Which, by the way, as you start to think melodically and you start to move this stuff around, you come up with this whole other way of practicing. And so mm -hmm. how to keep a rudiment going while you move the, mel the melody around, but have the melody fall naturally in what the rudiment's doing. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> several years ago, I put out this thing uh, with a practice pad that has all these numbers on it and exercises for people to practice moving their hammers around the practice pad. Uh-huh. When I start to work on stuff like this, I'm reminded that I need to continue that practice because the pattern won't break from left, left, right, left, right, right, left, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But as I move the hammers, I find there are weak directions of movement. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like it's easy to keep them in one spot. It might be easy to move them to the left. It might be e easy to move the left, left up. But I might find that moving the left left down or moving it diagonally down to the right causes me to drop the groove. Okay. I To me, I just think that's fascinating because you're really doing the same thing and it gets down to the nuances of I can play this pattern, but can I move this pattern without it causing my brain to, to derail? I see. Yeah. No. Just out of curiosity, and I, I kind of have an answer for this in mind already before I ask it, but for players that are interested or are mostly just passionate about doing traditional material, does this have an application for them So that you see? I believe it does. Just like, let's say somebody said, <clears throat> let's, let's go to another instrument for a minute, and it's piano. Okay. And they're trying to, maybe they want to just play ragtime. Okay. Or maybe they just want to play Elton John piano ballads. Nice. You know, or, or whatever. You pick out a style. Still learning that when you do a scale, <laughs> you go thumb, index, middle, and then your thumb comes under, and mm -hmm. then you walk up five fingers that way, is still uh -huh. important no matter which one of those things you're going to do. Right. Because it's teaching you motion and movement. Okay. So these things force that motion and movement. And it, that, that motion and movement is ap applicable to the traditional uh, fiddle tune? It's traditional to everything because I think people, it's, this is a theory that, you know, had, hasn't been studied, so it's just my idea. Right. But I think often when people play something and they just can't seem to get it, they can't seem to get it, there's this tendency to say, oh, the music is too hard, or that's too hard. But the thing that they don't have it's just music, you know? It's right. just that they haven't mastered that reach 
okay. in that direction okay. or that note, and it causes them to derail. And again, I could be wrong about this, but I believe that things that make us feel bad about ourselves, we have a hard time sticking with. And it makes you feel bad, like I just can't do that. Mm-hmm. When if you did this kind of stuff, you're really hyper-focused and you try to figure out what it is that's breaking down, you realize it's just another thing that you need to learn. And so using rudiments where they force your right hand or left hand to move in particular directions, to hit particular notes for particular distances, uh-huh. and forcing exercises that force you to vary that, I don't see how there's anything better that you could practice. <laughs> I think it's applicable to everything, and it makes everything that you want to do easier. It may not be as interesting in, to you in as terms of In terms of technique, it's, it's applicable. Yeah, because you get okay. to, like you want to play a song, and you don't have to stop and learn how to make your right hand move that way. Okay. Or make your left hand move that way. Or even mm-hmm. be comfortable with your left hand doing three or four successive notes. Mm-hmm. Which I find okay. that is a, that's a thing with American players. Because yeah, we right hand lead so much. Uh, yeah. in, in terms of music, um, I, I I think I've said this on the podcast before, and I'm and I'm absolutely willing to chalk it up to uh, um, my limited experience with the hammer dulcimer and being in hammer dulcimer settings. But I would like to hear hammer dulcimer explored more as a as an accompaniment instrument including in the traditional realm. And I would, I think that this would work really cool to hear that effect played low on hammer dulcimer underneath these traditional tunes as a musical application beyond just technique. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, there's a, uh, there's a guy I toured with uh, named Pedro Eustache and Pedro, he's a master musician first. So forgive me for, even almost comparing myself with him, but <laughs> he plays anything that you blow into, uh, saxes, flutes, but even the more obscure instruments like the duke, and it sounds like a woman crying basically when you hear it. Whoa! If I if I'm in a theater and I hear this particular sound, and I guess that it's Pedro, it's almost always correct. Wow! <laughs> because. Now, for Pedro to say he's going to go out and do a concert with just that deduke, just that instrument, yeah, it, it's you probably wouldn't want just that, you know. So he does all this other stuff. I think the hammer dulcimer, with its groove floor that it can create as a motor, in particularly in particular when it's dampered, is such a common sound within all kinds of music these days mm-hmm. that it ought to be there. You know, we ought yeah. to be doing it, but there's just not many of us that have mastered it, me included, because I'm still working on it. Sure. But, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think the uh, opportunities are wide open for hammer dulcimer players to become better percussionists and then exploit the unique tendencies of this instrument. That makes the sense. The unique traits of the instrument, I guess I should say. The tendencies are for it to be used to play fiddle tunes. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, but the traits of the instrument are uh, are arpeggiated rhythms and, and I'll go back to that thing again you hear it all the time in modern music 
but we just haven't figured out how to get people to see us as the best source for that as opposed to a synthesizer. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe because synthesizers um, are more readily uh, in tune. Yeah, that's that could be it. So, tune. I, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that's the only answer to that, right? Um, is there anything about the chromatic nature of them that could influence that? Sure, you can do it in almost any key. Okay. And and you wouldn't want every movie theme to have a hammer dulcimer in it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want everything to be the same. You don't want, wouldn't want to hear the sure. you know, behind everything as well. Right, yeah. But I'm just saying, there's this place... I have this dream that we create this market for the hammer dulcimer, and I might fail royally in ever achieving this dream, but hey, a guy can dream, can he? <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I guess that's it. So we should wrap this up. This was going to be shorter than what it was, but I'm fascinated by it. I hope you, the listener, were somewhat fascinated by it. <laughs> I understand <laughs> if you're not. Don't feel bad. <clears throat> uh so we're going to do so, something similar with you. Yeah, I think I think what we're going to do uh, is dive into sweep picking. Oh, when that's I have, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> sweep with the sweep. plosive at the end. Okay. Yeah. Sweep picking. Yeah. All I right. know we've talked about it a lot on here, but it's, it's finally starting to pay off. It's still not great. So you're going to hear me mess up quite a bit and struggle, but... I think it's cool, and I want to show you where I'm at with it. Yeah, so let's do so, that in the next one. Sounds good. All right, so in wrap-up stuff, just some uh, some business. I'm working on the uh, Dulcimer Players News number 4303. Yeah. And it's going to feature waltzes. So if you nice. have a favorite waltz that you play... Or have recorded, if you are a musician and you've recorded a waltz, and I'd like to use it on the sampler CD. So write me, dan at dpnews.com, dan at dpnews.com, and let's talk about that. Uh, if you teach waltzes and you would be willing to share you know, some of your tips about playing waltzes or some sheet music, I'm interested in that as well for the current issue of Dulcimer Players News, the one I'm putting together right now. Is that cool? Sounds good. We should also say uh, check out dulcimerschool.com because you learn all kinds of stuff like the things that Aaron and I uh, keep obsessing about here. And you're going to actually be able to see video of the stuff we're obsessing about on the podcast, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Some of this is already there. Uh, What else should we add? We could use some more reviews on on iTunes. So if you're willing to do that (laughs) for us, we'd really appreciate it. Ratings and reviews help your placement in the iTunes store. But we also appreciate all the listeners that we have and having uh, steady folks that are willing to stay and listen to us. So thanks so much.